Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. <clears throat> we have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. Lots of protests in Israel, and Mark is in Tel Aviv. We'll be talking to him about other things that are going on around the globe. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about uh, myths and realities about the life of John Lennon. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several murder mysteries, among other books, uh, Jim will be joining us as well. It is March the 27th, and on this day in 1775, future President Thomas Jefferson was elected to the Second Continental Congress. He's a Virginia delegate, quickly established himself in the Continental Congress with the publication of his paper, paper titled A Summary View of the Rights of British America, Throughout the next year, Jefferson published several more papers, most notably drafts and notes on the Virginia Constitution. In June 1776, Congress put together a committee to draft the Declaration of Independence. After discussion, the committee chose Jefferson to compose the document. At just 33 years old, Jefferson finished writing the draft of what is considered to be the most important document in the history of democracy. In just a few days... After a few minor changes, the committee submitted the draft, titled a declaration by the representatives in General Congress, assembled to Congress on June 28, 1776. After some debate, the document was formally adopted by Congress on July 4, 1776, under the new title, The Declaration of Independence. In the following years, Jefferson drafted other historical documents, including in 1777 a bill established religious freedom that formally enacted by Congress in 1786. He served as Virginia's governor from 1779 to 1781, minister to France from 1784 to 1789, and the first U.S. Secretary of State under President George Washington from 1790 to 1793. Jefferson served as vice president under President John Adams from 1797 to 81, 1801, and then afterwards was elected the third president of the United States, a position he held for two terms from 1801 to 1809. After his presidency ended, Jefferson retired from public life to his home in Monticello in Virginia. Uh, Jefferson died on July the 4th. 1826, 50 years to the day after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He was 83 years of, of age. As I recall, he also had some disputes with John Adams, uh, for whom he served as vice president. Anyhow, the two men died on exactly the same day, as I recall. <clears throat> well, news in Florida. Florida Atlantic basketball will be the one of the last four teams standing in an NCAA tournament. The Owls made more history Saturday by defeating the Kansas State Wildcats 79-76, to well, by the way, a terrific team, to advance to the Final Four for the first time in the program history after a second-round win over FDU and a couple of upsets against Tennessee and now Kansas State. And FAU finds them, uh, themselves two games away from a possible national championship. 
The Owls will play SDSU or San Diego State University on Saturday to find out who gets to go to the finals. It was a big deal. Congratulations to them. Played very well. Uh, I don't know if you didn't watch any of the games. You may not be a basketball fan, but it was a pretty good athletic competition. It was really terrific. Uh, last night, Lynn and I watched Scott Hamilton uh, on Tucker Carlson Today. It's an re- interview with the former ice skating champion, Olympic ice skating champion. He was, It's such a fascinating and inspirational discussion, and I highly recommend visiting uh, Fox Nation and seeing Tucker Carlson's interview with uh, Scott Hamilton. While over the weekend, tornadoes ripped through Mississippi and Alabama, at least 26 people died, including a one-year-old girl. Dozens of others were injured. Whole neighborhoods were flattened. Rolling Fork, Mississippi was hit with the hardest with at least 166 mile-per-hour winds. Governor Tate Reeves uh, called the town ground zero for the storm. Experts say they believe the tornado was on the ground for more than an hour. Can you believe that? And traveled 170 miles, which is very rare, quote-unquote. Tennessee and Georgia also have been struck. And now after at least 10 confirmed tornadoes hit, rescue efforts are underway. But the threat of more severe weather in parts of uh, South could complicate those efforts. So what's being done? Well, yesterday, President Biden issued a disaster declaration for Mississippi, giving the state access to federal funds for recovery efforts and temporary housing. Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, uh, teams are reportedly going door-to-door to register residents uh, for aid. It's very sad indeed, and you really feel for the people in Mississippi, and uh, uh, it's just totally a disaster. If you're watching any TV early in the morning, you'll see uh, it's one of the headline stories. <clears throat> it is, uh, and of course, the climate uh, change uh, <laughs> pimps, I'll call them, uh, are starting to say that we're going to have higher winds for tornadoes and for hurricanes. So I don't know that we can pay attention to that. But anyhow, former President Donald Trump kicked off his 2024 campaign rally Saturday night with a rousing event in Waco, Texas, casting the next presidential election as a battle to defeat sinister forces seeking to topple America and vowing to muster a quantum leap in Americans' living standards if returned to the White House. With multiple criminal investigations bearing down from New York to Georgia, Trump said his enemies were afraid to defeat him at the ballot box, so they're weaponizing law enforcement against him and his supporters. Well, there's certainly plenty evidence of that. The 45th president called the 2024 election the final battle and the big one and would decide whether America remained a free country or slipped towards socialism. We've already slipped towards socialism. Former President Donald Trump slammed his potential indictment by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg as prosecutorial misconduct by radical left maniacs. Speaking in Waco, Texas, with supporters waving witch hunt in the background, uh, Trump delivered a stinging rebuke of Bragg, who was investigating him for something other than not a crime, not a misdemeanor, not an affair, Trump said. Using Stormy Daniels' nickname, He said he never never liked or had an affair with her. We have a great first lady who people really do love, and she's done a incredible job, said Trump. Trump suggested Bragg's investigation was premeditated against him. He recruited Douglas Colangelo as senior counsel to his office from the Department of Injustice to investigate him, as Trump phrased it. He stacked his office with D.C. operatives with a man named Matthew Colangelo, one of the top people in the Department of Justice who moved to Manhattan's DA's office to make sure that Trump got taken care of. They couldn't get it done in Washington, he said. 
And then they sent him to New York to be the Manhattan office. Can you imagine that? In order to prosecute and do everything he could to get rid of the Trump, uh, Trump because, you know, our poll numbers are through the roof, said Trump. This is really prosecutorial misconduct. That's what it's called. The instance of people making no difference whatsoever to these radical left maniacs. Uh, alluding to the failed attacks by the administrative state on the former president, Trump decried the potential indictment as just the next hoax. Impeachment hoax number one, phony deal. Impeachment hoax number two, phony deal. The Mueller uh, witch hunt, phony deal. Trump reminded the, those in, in the audience. So they're coming, not coming after me. They're coming after you. And I'm just standing in the way. And I'm going to be standing in their way, Trump said. If you didn't see it, I mean, people were lining up at before dawn uh, in Waco, Texas. There are over 30,000 people there. It was a rousing event. Just a typical Trump just did a great job and articulated many uh, policy issues that I think are going to really serve him well going forward. <clears throat> well, Ron DeSantis proved, again, that he's one of America's top governors when he expanded school choice bill, HB1, passed 26 to 12 in the Senate, and it's headed to the governor's off, uh, desk. The bill makes every Florida student eligible for an $8,000 in education savings account that can be used towards private school, tuition, tutoring, homeschooling materials, or testing fees. Previously, about 70% of Florida students were eligible for the state's school choice scholarships. But as other states enacted universal choice, school choice, Florida was in danger of losing its longtime leadership on school choice dating back to the Jeb Bush era. The passage of this bill is one of the great civil rights victories in modern times as the state's minorities, particularly black and Hispanic school children, are the biggest winners of all. Of course, most of them attend inferior schools in poor neighborhoods where teachers don't want to go and teach and so forth. I mean, you pretty much understand the situation. But the question I have is, why are so few Democrats in support of this? Probably because of the teachers' unions. Well, have you heard the bogus argument that school choice means less money for public schools? Well, that's just plain wrong. Charter schools have been around for many years now, and they've uh, depleted the money for tra traditional schools. Researchers at the Fordham Institute crunched the numbers and have refuted any school choice miss. Among the key findings, they found that total public school revenues per pupil increased in mo most cases when students exit the system for charter schools. It's because more uh, this, uh, money for kids on average is less in charter schools than it is for uh, public schools. The handful of studies that incorporate student outcomes suggest that charter schools tend to make affected school districts more efficient in their long run. They put their, uh, puts, this puts the lie to the claim that charter school opponents, that charter school increases districts' fixed costs per pupil, makes them less efficient. Well, that's just not true. It simply confirms what we all know. Competition is always good for things for the consumer and for parents. So interesting. <clears throat> Well, the House voted to pass the Parents' Bill of Rights Act Friday on objections from Democrats who argued the bill is aimed at promoting fascism. <laughs> I, I, I laughed just saying that. And extreme views of Republicans by making it easier to parents to ban books and out LBGTQ plus students. These people are out of their minds. The GOP bill is a response to growing anger across the country about access to information on everything from school curricula to safety and mass policies to the prevalence of gender ideology and critical race theory in the classroom. Parents' anger over those issues are 
at school board meetings led to an effort by the Biden administration's Justice Department to examine the disturbing trend of violent uh, threats against school officials. House Republicans reacted by approving the Parents' Bill of Rights, which would uh, require school children or districts to give parents access to curriculum and reading lists and would be require schools to inform parents if school staff being are begin encouraging or promoting their child's gender transition. Unbelievable. I can't believe that we have to have a, a parent's bill of rights passed in this day and age. A lot of states, though, are trying to cut the parents out of the equation. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is uh, lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you should know that most health insurance plans here in the United States don't cover international travel. And you can travel with confidence at about very low cost by just going to the website internationalhealthplans.com and take a look at the offerings. Internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Well, let's start off uh, discussing what's happening. You're in Tel Aviv. I sh- our listeners should know that. And uh, there are protests continuing. There's, uh, I guess, uh, one of the important officials was laid off by the... Uh, uh, by... Right. So maybe so, you can tell so us. Of course, yeah, so, so the whole issue of all these protests has to do with an attempt of the new government to change the balance between the judiciary and the government slash parliament, which in many ways is one. And they wanted to, A, um, change the way that the people get um, nominated, the, the judges. They want the basically the coalition to nominate the judges, also pick the, the chief justice, who right now is is a seniority. The, old, the one who's been along the longest becomes the chief justice. Um, and right now the system is based on a, there are, there's a committee that's made up of, um, of judges, of uh, people from the law, legal profession, and, and members of the government, and basically both sides have to agree in, in order to appoint the judge. So it gives, for, you know, it gives for negotiations between the two sides to get a balance of who's going to be a judge. But the, the government wants to appoint the, the judges directly. They wanted a override so that the parliament of 61 can override any decision of the, of the, gov- of the courts. They wanted to make basic laws um, to be non, so the courts cannot review them. The only thing about a basic law in Israel also requires a 61 votes. It doesn't. It's not like a constitution that requires two thirds and the ratification, etc., and a bunch of other things. So mm-hmm. it's brought out tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of protesters over the last 12 weeks, growing numbers all of the time. Mm-hmm. A generation that had not cared suddenly started caring. As the younger people who were in the tech industries had never been involved in politics. They all came out with. If the first demonstration was the same old, call it you know the the old folks who always demonstrate. This time by now it's all young people who are running the demonstrations, and um, a lot of them financing it. Any rate, it came down to the point where many of the reservists in the Israeli Air Force, particularly, but in all the other elite services, basically said they're no longer going to volunteer to do reserve duty because by law they don't have to. They're over a certain age and everything mm-hmm. else. If this is passed, which started creating even more questions and pushbacks, and a lot of the high-tech companies started planning to move out of the country, a long list of things. In any event, um, the defense minister, who is a supporter of these changes, um, went to the prime minister as well as the chief of staff and the head of the security service and said, this is beginning to hurt the security of the country, and even if it's a good idea, it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Um, In any case... He met with Netanyahu. Netanyahu asked him not to go public with it for a couple of days. He didn't, and then he went public two days later um, and basically said that he will do all he can to stop it because, like I said, he was in favor of some of the reforms, but the cost is too high. And Netanyahu then last night fired him, and that set off uh, the largest demonstrations by far in Israel's history where um, 
sort of spontaneously, the words went out on the WhatsApp groups, etc., to go to the main junctions and roads at 10 o'clock at night. He was fired like about, I'll say about 8 o'clock, mm. 8, 8.30. Um, anyway, in Tel Aviv, at least tens and tens and tens of thousands of people started streaming uh, to one of the main junctions, junctures uh, of the main highway that goes in and out of Tel Aviv. And if during the main demonstrations the police were ready to block it, they were totally caught by surprise. And before long, there were 40,000, 50,000 people on the main highway. Wow. Uh, and that was blocked overnight. Um, and it happened all over the country. They estimate that a half a million people came out last night. Wow. And keep in mind, it's a country of <coughs> 9 million, of which 2 million are children. So it's a huge number. You know, Mark, uh, uh, any, you, you got to wonder if this is worth, uh, the juice is worth a squeeze here for Netanyahu. And well, it isn't. And then, well, I think we're, the expectation is um, he's going to give up on this plan in the next hour or two because one step further happened this morning. The the National Labor Union that has stayed out of this because it's made up of a wide range of people with political views, etc., uh, announced this morning at 10 o'clock um, a national strike. Huh. And that includes the airport and includes everything but transportation. And uh, even many supporters of Netanyahu are supporting the strike because they think, you know, he's gone too far. And, and um, so there's, at the moment, the... Main international airport is closed. Uh, all the malls have closed. McDonald's is closed. Uh, you name it. Yeah. Um, so the the odds are very high in the next hour or two. Although the original is going to speak at ten thirty, Netanyahu is going to agree to to postpone this whole plan, etc. Um, but the quest, the political price he's paid is is tremendous. A complete miss misreading of what, what of the political landscape. So doesn't this kind of set the table, though, for a constitutional convention and, and upgrading the, the... It should, but, but you know, the, the answer is it should, but there is no real mechanism for it. And part of the same problem, um, uh, part, of this, part, of the, part of the problem that has existed from the very beginning is trying to get the ultra-religious to agree to the same set of values as other people do, and it's it's been a challenge all along. Mm. Uh, but the answer is yes. The answer, if you listen to the demonstrations these days, it's not only to stop the, the, this quote-unquote judicial reform, but it's very much you know a constitution now. Yeah. People want a constitution. They want something better. Uh, so we'll see. It you know something better might come of it. Yeah. And yet, you know, keep in mind the fact that this whole thing has a lot to do with the fact that Netanyahu was on trial for corruption. Right. Now one of his his main attorneys said to him this morning that if he doesn't end stop his judicial reform, he can no longer defend him. Huh. So, you know, you're, you're really in such uncharted territory that uh, I don't think any country has quite been quite quite here. And, and let's add to that the uh, uh, international context right now. We're talking about Iran getting within hours probably of having a nuclear device that uh, that works. Uh, we're talking about uh, all kinds of turmoil in that part Terror of the world. Terror attacks we've had from in the last couple of in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely, it's a terrible time, and it's a terrible time to fire your defense minister. Let's put it that way. And the only thing the defense minister did was warn you that that what. Uh, you are doing in terms of this reform is hurting the readiness of the Israeli army. Yeah. So no logic. So th that was like the the final push that pushed lots of people who were sort of on the fence and sort of said, well, you know, we can get it. It deserves it. They won the election. All those sort of things. That, that this was just 
way too far. It's so interesting. I've seen both in private business and politics to some people who decide to make a decision and they they're obviously out of sync with what the public wants and it's it's I've seen it lead to disaster for their careers. No, absolutely. I mean, look, sometimes people are just misreading. Sometimes people this politicians have the problem generally of living in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, the stronger the politician is, the more people are just yes men and telling him things that uh, he wants to hear. Yeah. And we've we've seen that, you know, we've seen that in the United States, we've seen that many, many times where where presidents and others just don't get the information they need to get. And um, this clearly, I don't know whether this is the case here either. You know, whatever one might think of Netanyahu, one thing one cannot say, he's not stupid, he's a very brilliant man, and um, he's misjudged us by, by just so much it's hard to believe. Yeah, and of course he's very political, politically savvy too, so he's just made a misstep and miscalculation. Mark, we've got so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing a news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher, again, of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob, as usual. Uh, so, Mark, uh, let's move to Ukraine. And uh, I guess uh, Russia wants to roll out some old tanks. And uh, well, there's right. lots they bring, of... They bring out tanks that are 40 years old, 50 years old. 
um, which is a bit of a problem for them, uh-huh. um, especially since at this point, number one, of course, they're even less capable of withstanding any modern anti-tank missiles that the Ukrainians have been getting from the U.S. From the be- since the beginning, but they're also no match for uh, the Leopard 2s and uh, the American tanks that are slowly going to be arriving. The uh, question is how slowly, and that's one of one of the big issues, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, now the, the, the Russians just don't have don't have the, the equipment, etc. At this point, to continue, they're talking about trying to raise a new army of four hundred thousand soldiers. It's not exactly clear from where they're going to find these four hundred thousand soldiers. Keeping in mind that three to four hundred thousand Russians of military age have all left the country. Yeah. Um, so. The Russian offensive in Bakhmut, which has been going on now for six or seven months at least, seems to have reached um, reached its end, and what they call in military terms has culminated, um, which means they can't push anymore because they just don't have the troops or anything else. Um, and there are reports that the Ukrainians are now counterattacking right in that area uh-huh. um, after bleeding the Russians. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean... Um, a lot of the Western arms that the Ukrainians have wanted and have now been approved to receive are just going to start arriving. And, of course, it's not like you get a shell and you can take the shell and shoot it right away. These are new equipment, new technologies, and they have to be integrated into the Ukrainian yeah. order of battle. So we'll see how quickly they can field it. But um, What about the threat know, of uh, moving, moving a nuclear site into uh, Ukraine? Well, no, they're talking about moving uh, into Belarus. Belarus. Uh, Russians are going to move some some uh, nuclear weapons to Belarus, which is, you know, Belarus has become their only puppet state that has supported them throughout. But they're also talking about the fact that the facilities to keep them will be ready at the end of December. So this is an announcement that, you know, in a war, we're now in March. Between March and December, there's an awful lot of time. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's more in a question of rhetoric right now than anything that's, that's realistic. Um, so, but you know, he always has to bring up the nuclear factor to sort of keep people off, off tilt to some extent to mm-hmm. um, try to convince the Western countries not to give additional support to the Ukrainians. Uh, but it hasn't worked. I mean, it has worked to some extent. I mean, part of the reason we haven't given them uh, some of our best weapons, like the F-16s, is because I think to some extent we've been intimidated by Russian threats. Um, but I think most of those threats are are just what they are, threats. There's no there there, but that's just my opinion. So is is the uh, interest for supporting Ukraine waning in the West? No, not in Europe at this point. The only place it's waning is the Republican Party of the United States, which I frankly have no understanding of whatsoever why it would be waning there of all places. Uh, There's no, in in Europe, there is no waning of support whatsoever in terms Mm of the public in the United States. Um, amongst independents, amongst Democrats, there's no change. Only amongst Republicans has there been a, a slow uh, decrease, and I guess that has to do with the ex-president, who has never been enthusiastic about the matter. So, mm-hmm. um, but there's no logic. I mean, for the Republican Party, the party of Reagan, the party that's believed uh, in a strong defense and has thought of thought that Russia represented the evil empire. Why they're why they're weak on Ukraine, I do not understand. To be honest with you. Well, of course, we don't have any money. That <laughs> may have something to do with okay, it. We don't have money for anything, but that's not relevant. We spent $750 billion on our military in any case. Yeah, so, we, so you know, we've actually got, in one of these bills, we're sending money over to uh, to fund their retirement plan. 
in Ukraine, and we got Social Security running out of money. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it, uh, the reality is, uh, obviously, the Ukraine war is not cheap, but, you know, it, it goes back to, to World War Two. You know, where would you like to fight Hitler? Yeah. On the shores of, uh, of Long Island or, you know, on the shores of, of Normandy? And we're talking about $4 billion to fund pensions in Ukraine. I uh, don't think that's true, by the way. I, go, go actually show me the $4 billion to fund pensions in Ukraine. Show me, show me the line item anyways that says that. Well, there was a, there was a discussion yesterday. Uh, I guess uh, let's see who was uh, Blinken. Tony Blinken was answering the questions, and he ava- he avoided the question. He would not commit. He would not say how much money is being sent over there. He said, "Boy, it's all being thought through, and we got lots of people thinking about it, and blah blah blah." But he avoided the question. Well, look, let's understand something. If we're giving money to support the government of Ukraine, which needs money, obviously, because obviously their tax their tax base has been kind of limited, shall we say? Yeah. Um, their I'm sure their government has to do lots of things, which includes pensions. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if they if they're a government and they have army soldiers that retired, you know, seventy year old soldiers, they get a pension. And so, yes, the answer is if we're supporting the government of Ukraine financially which we're not doing most of the support. The monetary support is mostly coming from the EU. Uh, but we are giving support to the, to the government. So if we're giving some money to support, I'm sure somebody can write a piece, just like you read somewhere, that we're supporting the, poor, the pensions of the Ukrainian, yeah. Ukrainians and that we have Social Security that's in trouble. But that's not what's happening. We are giving financial support to keep the government going. And yes, they have to pay pensions. They have to do a lot of things. You know, we're paying for I don't know sewage in in in, in Kiev or something. I have no idea what we're, you know what I'm saying. I don't know what the yeah, but you, yeah. I, just, I have a deeply ingrained value. My dad used to say, Bob, if you can't afford a Cadillac, you drive a Chevy. If you can't afford afford a Chevy, you walk. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. Okay. All we have to do is raise taxes, and we can solve our problems. But no one wants to do that. So we won't discuss that. <clears throat> I mean, come on. We're these are not reasons to give to let Russia. Uh, advance across Europe and win win the battle in Ukraine. Yeah, makes no sense. This is a lot cheaper. Can you imagine how much cheaper this is? Not one American has died yeah. fighting and dest- and destroyed half the Russian army without one U.S. loss. Well, it, it's an unbelievable cheap. Excuse the expression. That's a cheap victory in terms of what we're, we're spending. And remember, if we didn't have, if we weren't spending money on defense altogether, and we were this pacifist country that existed with no no national defense budget, well, we could have this discussion in a different sort of way. Well, but we but spent you know, $750 billion on, on defense. We're emptying our arsenal. We have no, no defense. Well, that's a different problem. That, you know, we've discussed this a lot. The, the issue that we allowed two companies to be a duopoly as the major arms manufacturers in the United States, that was a tremendous mistake. Yeah. Um, and we're going to pay for it, and you know we're, we're doing all we can right now in order to to start producing faster and more. Um, because you know if we have to at some point face China or whatever else, we've learned one thing is that modern warfare eats up weaponry in a in a really rapid way. So, Mark, before I let you go, because uh, we're running short of time here, I do want to get your comments on what's happening with regard to TikTok in China. So that's a really big problem because on one hand, so many Americans use it and the stream of, of free speech and First Amendment on one hand. On the other hand, having something like that that the Chinese government can control. So there, there's two big issues with that that we have to keep in mind. The biggest one is the question of the algorithm that decides what our kids, because kids mostly are the ones who are 
using TikTok, what they see. Do they see more things that are critical of America or more things that are supportive of China? All sorts of different ways that they can play with the algorithm to affect the scale, so to speak. And that's a real, real problem when our main adversary, they're not our enemy, but they are our main adversary, controls it. And, and then prior the programs encouraging suicide and there's other things going well, on. Well, you can name a whole long list of things, right? I mean, look, Facebook and Twitter and all these things are problematic in their own way. Yes. But they're just trying to they're trying to uh, monetize their their platforms in the best part and make the most money. Now that that's an issue in and of itself. We can have a whole discussion about that. But there's no evil intent behind what they do. Mm-hmm. There may be an evil you know result sometimes, but it's not an evil intent. Here you can have an evil intent, and and that's very troubling. And of course, the fact that they can know where everybody is at any given time, what their preferences, what their sexual preferences are, all sorts of things you can learn by what people watch in terms of what videos they're interested in. Mm-hmm. So that's bad. Yeah, it is indeed. Again, you know, if if you look upon the Chinese as a as a rival, and you look upon the Chinese government um, as a totalitarian government, which it is, then it becomes a real problem. Well said, uh, Mark. Is there a real solution? That's that's always the question, right? What about free speech? And how do we, you know, it's a major platform for speech, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, it so, looks like the uh, the, uh, the populace and the legislatures around are all going against having TikTok available for kids and also for uh, for the governments. Do you support? Well, I think what's 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 about to happen is that it's they're going to be we're given an option: either sell the company. Uh-huh. Or we're going to ban the company. If they ban the company, then it becomes mostly worthless. If they can sell it, they can sell it to an American or European or some other friendly uh, company, which require a lot of money. It's probably worth like about three hundred billion dollars. So it's not an easy, easy sale for anyone to undertake. Yeah. But that's um, that's the two options they're going to be, be be presented with. They're going to scream and yell. But on the other hand, remember the Chinese don't let any of our social networks into China. Huh. So, so we really have a good card here. It's not like we say, well, why are you doing this to the Chinese? Well, guess what? Just in terms of trade. Yeah. You're not letting Facebook in. You're not letting Twitter in. You're not letting YouTube in. Yeah. Okay, well, that's very fine. So we're not going to let TikTok in Oz. Yeah, but, very interesting. Mark Schulman, again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, really interesting discussion. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed. He is the president Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodge University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Thank you. 
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Times they're changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional, somber, formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of issues unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart, differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of life center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website dignitymemorial.com. That's www.dignitymemorial.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us... Larry Reed, he is the president uh, emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the uh, Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. Uh, we are a private nonprofit organization headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and we focus on young people of high school and college age, uh, educating and inspiring them in ideas of private property, limited government, free enterprise, and personal character. We do that through our website, which is fee.org, which contains uh, daily fresh content, commentary, and video and announcements, as well as uh, at events uh, that we host all over the country. And I, I must say, a terrific organization. If you have somebody in your life that is high school or college age, I strongly recommend that you introduce them to this organization because uh, they do a lot in helps of, uh, you know, making it. Uh, young people make good decisions based on character and responsibility and so forth. So, uh, Larry, uh, uh, again, that's fee.org, F-E-E.org. So you wrote a piece about John Lennon, so interesting. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Yeah, it was 60 years ago when uh, Beatlemania was rocking the world of music, and in fact, uh, it will be um, uh, 60 years ago next February that they made... Uh, their first visit, the Beatles, 
uh, to America, a very famous visit, of course. Mm -hmm. And this recent article I wrote focused on John Lennon, uh, a co-founder of the uh, uh, Beatles and one of the more prominent ones. And over the years, a kind of uh, cult following has grown up around him. And um, I just wanted uh, the, the record to be clear that John Lennon was no model to emulate, that in his personal life he was uh, uh, quite a nasty guy at times. He was a wife beater and uh, a serial adulterer. He was uh, crazy when it came to some of his ideas for the rest of uh, society. And you see that in the words to his song, Imagine. And uh, really, he was just a, a kind of a messed up person. Well, you think about the words to imagine. I mean, I find myself humming along with it. And yeah. It's a, such a peaceful, nice song. But when you really listen to what the content is, it's all about being a Marxist, communist, uh, you know, creating a, a, a society that uh, emulates, uh, you know, being godless and, uh, you know, having a, a amalgam of just human beings out there that are doing nothing. Yeah, I agree. The tune is catchy, uh, maybe even haunting at times. Yeah. But you listen to the lyrics, and they're they're brainless. Uh, at one point, uh, uh, he says, "Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky." In other words, uh, we should just pretend that humanity is an accident. Uh, no creator, no afterlife, no ultimate justice or accountability, just the here and now, and, and that's the end of it. Well, that's the uh, formula for some of the worst tyrannies and mass murders in American and uh, world history, I should say. Uh, Khmer Rouge, Cambodia was a great example of that. So, uh, And it also says in the song, imagine all the people living for today. Well... What's wrong with living for the future? I mean, that's what yeah. uh, gives us powerful incentives to live right, uh, to save, to invest, to have children, to build homes and build lives. Yeah. Uh, but he says, no, just think of uh, today. Yeah. yeah. And to, uh, so no model husband either. I mean, he did, he divorced his wife. He ended up uh, marrying Yoko Ono and uh, wasn't even uh, loyal to her. No, that's right. Uh, he was a, a serial uh, adulterer. And uh, uh, and the son that he had with his first wife, uh, Julian, he basically ignored. Um, and several times uh, in public, in the presence of other people, he uh, slapped his first wife, Cynthia, uh, very hard. And, and there were many reports of, um, of uh, such disorder and, and dysfunction in the household. Yeah. Another telltale sign is the fact that he was uh, considered uh, a, a real hero by Fidel Castro. That's right. Fidel Castro built a public park and named it after John Lennon, put a statue of him there. And, and you can see why, because uh, just the lyrics of Imagine um, mm -hmm. uh, alone, that one song, uh, are clearly in line with uh, the communist vision. You know, Imagine No Possessions. Yeah. Can you imagine a world where there are no possessions? What do you do? Uh, how, how do you create that? Do you tell people, oh, don't, don't try to uh, accumulate anything. Uh, everything belongs to everybody. I mean, that's a prescription for absolute mass impoverishment. Well, that's exactly what happened during for the Puritans uh, and the Mayflower. In fact, you can read about it in, in the, what was his name? I've forgotten now, but it doesn't matter. Point being Bradford. is, yeah, uh, Bradford. 
is, uh, you know, if, unless you have a personal, everybody's operating in their own self-interest. I mean, obviously you have, uh, it, it is in your self-interest to look out after other people and to be a, a, a member of a, a responsible member of society. But if you ha if there's nothing in it for you, why are you going to go out and work hard just for the benefit of other people? Yeah, and think of how contradictory on that issue the words of the song are. At one point he talks about living life in peace, mm. and then he says, imagine no possessions. Well, how do you make sure people don't have possessions in the first place? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if they do, what are you going to do about it? Uh, presumably, he, wants, uh, he would suggest that those should be taken, because uh, he, he's imagining a world in which you don't own anything. Well, the only way you can bring that about is through violence. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got the word, uh, World Economic Forum working on that, <laughs> Larry. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, given the devil is due, I will say I, I love the Beatles. They had made great music, and uh, he's not the only uh, person who's been in the limelight like that, who's had that kind of a life. But uh, nevertheless, I, I, I'm really happy that you've revealed the real John Lennon. I think that's important. Hey, thank you very much, uh... Bob, and I think most people would agree that at least the early Beatles, the, there was some great music there. It's just too bad that it has to be marred by uh, the song Imagine and some of these uh, rather crazy uh, things that John Lennon got mixed up with. Yeah, absolutely. Fee.org is the website, F-E-E.org. I hope you'll check it out. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up. Uh, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy, and they help prepare elected officials to have a strong program and to win in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, now uh, writing novels. He's some great murder mysteries. The first is uh, uh, Follow the Leader. The second is Shake the Money Tree. And the final, the last one that he's written is called No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, uh, Bob. I've been uh, pouring over numbers. You know, for years and years, I covered the intersection of uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and Wall Street. So I pretty much understand the uh, financial politics of Washington, D.C. And, and two things come to mind. First of all, when you're fighting inflation, the Fed can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. There's a fiscal side. Uh, the government, in this case, and I, this is going to be unpopular with your listeners, and I don't even like the idea, uh, but I think it's true. Uh, you have to slash domestic spending, especially on entitlements, and we're too far gone. We have to raise some taxes because you know we have war clouds on the horizon and we have to rearm right now. And you can't do that on the cheap. So, uh, you know, I blame our politicians in Washington for getting us to this point. I hate higher taxes, but it has to be done. Well, Jim, uh, uh, just to insert there, uh, so uh, if you're a, fa- a fan of Arthur Laffer, which I am, does that mean you'd cut tax rates? Well, yes, and you broaden the tax base. So you make, you make it more progressive. You make it progressive at the bottom and the top. Uh-huh. So, so here, so this is going to be a dynamite week because, uh, first of all, Wall Street has lost confidence in the Federal Reserve and the Treasury. You know, everybody's because we've had this banking crisis and we've had uh, inflation fighting seems to have failed to this point. Everybody, PayPal the chairman of the Federal Reserve is in everybody's crosshairs. Uh, Janet Yellen, because of her uh, conflicting statements on the Hill about you know how many deposits are covered, is in everybody's crosshairs. Yeah. At, the same, at the same time, an, an Associated Press poll comes out and shows Biden's popularity at 38%, the lowest in his presidency. And, and by the way, uh, Democrats under the age of 45 completely dislike Joe Biden. So he is in huge trouble in terms of being reelected because his whole shtick has been, look how great the economy is, and nobody believes him. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I predict a bloodbath on the regulatory side in Washington. Uh, Biden needs scapegoats. I think he's going to replace, push Powell out. I mean, you know, on paper, Powell can't be pushed out by the politicians. But let's get real. Uh, he'll be gone. Janet Yellen will be gone. And there will be a uh, younger team in place. And, you know, as Biden tries to salvage his election, and I, and I think that the consequence, the unintended consequence is that this will royal uh, investors even more because it will show that the uh, 
you know, the, the president uh, thinks the economy is sinking. So um, well, I, I mean, look for Jimmy, the question I have is, I mean, if you can change the people, but what about the policy? I think if you bring uh, more people in that have the same policies, it's going to end up with the same train wreck. Well, yes, it will. It's all cosmetic. Uh, another thing uh, is the Fed, you know, the Fed has had to uh, lower its the, the aggressiveness of its interest rate increases mm -hmm. to a quarter of percent. You know, if it was fighting, truly fighting 6% core inflation, you would have expected a half percent increase. Right. But because bank, banks are in such trouble because of these interest rate rises, the Fed has to be very cautious. Now, now Friday, we have the new inflation numbers coming in. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what they'll be, but if they run hot again, uh, it's going to blow up uh, the stock market because uh, uh, it, it, will, it will kind of say that everything the Fed has done today has, has not been the least effective and that the, the Fed on paper should be more aggressive. And yet if it gets more aggressive, it blows up the banking system. So the bottom line is we've lost the war against inflation. I, I mean, that could, that could be the big headline this Friday. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping it's not because uh, I, I have a big retirement portfolio. But um, it's, you know, it's, it's a real possibility. So I, I just ask a pointed question is, uh, what does the Fed do then to be effective under the circumstances? I don't think they have a good alternative. If they uh, decide to in increase interest rates, it's, it's going to uh, destroy the banks. If they decide to leave interest rates the same or lower interest rates, I think it will and capitulate. I, I, I think it will lead to much higher inflation. So they're in a they're in a box they can't get out of. Right. This is why I say that the fiscal Congress has to step up. Uh, we we have, and I'm probably repeating myself, we have the same kind of guns and butter economy that began uh, under Lyndon Johnson in the 70s mm -hmm. and led to 10 years of stagnation. You can't spend heavily on social programs and heavily on the military and expect that inflation will remain tame. It's, it's, it's just a formula for inflation. So, you know, with the world such a horribly dangerous place and, and rogue nations like China and Russia afoot, I mean, we have to bite, literally bite the bullet mm -hmm. and bulk up on the uh, military side to prevent a war um, and slash domestic spending. Yeah. It's well, not going to happen. I'm I, saying I'm, this is the idea. It's not going to happen. So I think the fight against inflation, uh, in my mind, we've already lost it. That's exactly right. I mean, we we spent six trillion dollars and uh, now you okay, now you got to pay the piper. The horse is already out of the barn. We've got to pay for this somehow. And that's usually through inflation. So when you spend money that you don't have. So I don't know that there's a lot of solutions to this. He could change all the people he wants to and make all the uh, political machinations he wants. But uh, he's painted himself in a real box. Yeah. Now, the silver lining for gray heads with, with fixed incomes is of this banking crisis is that smaller banks have hiked their CD rates to like, I've seen 4.85 APY for six months. Uh -huh. I mean, that's better than the stock market. It's, it's insured. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and even rich people, uh, there are services that will spread, spread your money. I think, I think you can get almost a billion and a half dollars 
insured if you put them in all the insured institutions in the U.S. So, so there's a wonderful opportunity now to take some risk off the table because of the banking crisis. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, I would say there's still risk because when the market turns, interest rates start to go down. You're going to be holding the bag. <laughs> so, uh, Jim, I you know I always appreciate your commentary, your well-informed commentary here on the show. Again, uh, latest book. Uh, no problem. Check it out. It's really, really a great read. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>